You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. Good morning, everyone. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor Deb Malik, and I'm married to the lead pastor, and he decided to go to Africa for a few weeks. So <laughs> I get the honor of being able to talk with you today about the meek. And, you know, it's interesting when we learn about meekness because it's a whole lot different than the world um, describes it, the way the world defines it. Because when I think of a meek person, I think of somebody who's, like, really shy and timid and really, like, doesn't want to talk to anybody. And you know what? That's so not what meek is. Meek is really somebody that has strong character and knows when to keep their mouth shut. It's amazing that I would be speaking about this, isn't it? <laughs> God is so funny, or is it my husband that's funny? <laughs> so um, I'm going to give you a little report from Africa. Actually, Pastor Matt gets back tomorrow night, and he will be back about 830 in the evening at the airport, and he would have been gone like 15 days, and so I'm ready for him to be back. He's in Ghana, and he's been going to Ghana since 2002, and his heart when he goes to the mission field is really to train leaders, and the reason that's his heart is because leaders go to train other people, and he believes that he can reach a whole lot more people by teaching and training leaders. So in Ghana, uh, we used to have five Baba colleges there, and now we have six. So we have one more, so six Bible colleges, and they went into a new region this time, and that new region is called Makassum. And what's interesting about that is that it's the first time that white men came there to minister, which was a really huge deal for that area and I guess, and I don't know why, <laughs> we'll find out when Pastor Mac gets back, but that for some reason that gives credibility to a region, to a city or a village when the white man will come there and minister to them and spend time with them and teach them. And so it was a really huge deal to them and uh, to the people that they ministered to. They um, all together ministered about 1,500 people in all the different conferences that they did, and they did um, different Bible school graduations. They had 54 graduates, and they had 47 that were ordained into the ministry. So when we think about what we're doing here in Stevens Point in the central Wisconsin area that we live in, it's really nothing compared to what is happening in Ghana. So um, how many of you, just a show of hands, people that have been to Africa with Pastor Matt, either Ghana or Uganda? So there's a few of you. There's a whole lot more of you that are following after me and haven't been there. <laughs> so I know that's something that's on Pastor Matt's heart to have people um, go with him and minister and even teach some of the practical things. There's about 300 organizations, um, ministries in the network of churches that are in Africa as well. 
So you're making a big impact when you, when you all give and you pray and you have a part in sending people to Africa. You're making a huge difference in other people's lives that you, you might not meet until you get to heaven <laughs> when they're going to be able to say thank you. Thank you for sending somebody that came to us and cared enough. So that's pretty awesome when you think of the big picture. So why don't we open in a word of prayer? Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the sunshine. I thank you even for the, the crispiness of the fall weather. And I thank you, God, that you've given this day to us, that it's a 24-hour span of time. And Lord, that you help us to decide what to do with the minutes, the hours, and the time that you've given us. Thank you, Lord, that we're able to make a difference in the lives of people and the lives of those that are around us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the Beatitudes are a really fun subject. If you read through all the Beatitudes, it's really kind of like a constitution for the way a Christian should live. And, you know, what's interesting about the Beatitudes is it's, it's not something that we can strive for. It's not something that we can work for. It's just something that we allow to happen in our lives. So when we talk about this whole series, every one of the Beatitudes engages or challenges our hearts. And the desirable outcome is that we become more like Jesus. That's always our desirable outcome, that it not be about us, but it be about the Jesus in us. Beatitudes defined is a condition or statement of blessedness and a word for blessed is happy or fortunate so we could say as we go through those scriptures instead of blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven we could say happy are the poor in spirit for those are the king those are the kingdom of heaven and so when we think about changing the word blessed for happy again it's all a heart condition and our hearts can be happy because of things that are going on on the outside. We can't change conditions on the outside. The joy on the inside of us comes from Jesus. And so it's knowing that we allow Jesus to do that in us. So why don't we look at Matthew 5, the Beatitudes. Matthew 5, and seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Pastor Matt spoke a few weeks ago about the poor in spirit. Pastor Aaron last week spoke about those who mourn. And knowing that those who mourn, that when we separate ourselves from God, when we're not in right relationship with him, on the inside of us, there's a mourning. And we don't want to be in that place. <laughs> but we want to be in a place where we're tenderhearted towards God. And today we're speaking, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The word meek can also be used the word gentle or the word humble. So we could say 
that blessed are the gentle, blessed are the humble. And something I like to do is, um, a few years back I heard a teaching about the different kinds of smarts. Like you could be um, nature smart, meaning that you like things that go on outside, outdoors. You could be word smart, you could be book smart. So there's different kinds of smart. Well, I, I'm word smart, so I like words. And I like to know meanings of words and definitions. And like, we just say a word and what, what does that mean? It can mean different things to different people and especially in the English language. Um, we have a boy, Ricky, living with us from China. And, and when Chinese people, their words are like thoughts, like, um, it's not one word for different things. And so it's interesting, I'm sure, learning the English language because how many there are there? <laughs> There's theirs, there, and there. There's all kinds of theirs. That's gotta be hard to learn. <laughs> but um, again, I like the definition, learning about definitions of words. So Nelson's Illustrated Bible Dictionary defines meekness as an attitude of humility towards God and gentleness towards men, springing from a recognition that God is in control. It is strength and courage under control, coupled with kindness. Isn't that good? You know, we can have all that stuff and not be kind. And it's important that we're always kind to people. We treat people the way we would, we'd want to be treated. You know, think about people in your life when you hear that it's strength and courage under control, coupled with kindness. When I think about different people that I know that are meek, honestly, <laughs> I think a lot of times meekness comes with age. Because I think it takes, um, I know for myself, I needed to learn how much I didn't know before I could really be meek. Because otherwise, you know, we can think we know a lot, we can think we have all the answers, and really there's only one person that has all the answers. And so when I think of meekness, I think of people like um, my grandma Nowak. You know, she's in heaven now. <laughs> but she was a meek lady. She was kind, she was gentle. But she was full of wisdom, and she made really good chocolate chip cookies, too. <laughs> but, you know, I think of people in our congregation. I think of, when I think of meekness, I think of people that have been here a long time, that I've been around, that don't overreact to situations. You know, that's a form of meekness. And overreacting doesn't get anybody anywhere, does it? I'll tell a little story on my husband because he's not here although he's going to listen to this, so. <laughs> but Mackenzie, um, when she was a little girl, she had, she's up there in the tech booth, Mackenzie loves me. And <laughs> um, when she was a little girl, we had a power outage at our house, and it was around Christmas time. And there was a lot of people around here that didn't have power. Well, we were one of them. And Mackenzie wasn't feeling well. And so... What comes with not feeling well sometime is throwing up. We were sitting in our living room area because we, that was carpeted and, you know, it was nice and cozy. We had blankets and candles and we're all warm and, and Mackenzie wasn't feeling good and, 
she was gonna have to throw up and, and right next to our carpeted area, we have a wood floor. So you know you take like a step over and it's a wood floor. <laughs> well, Pastor Matt was holding Mackenzie and she's having to throw up like, oh, you know, you know how that goes. <laughs> and instead of stepping over onto the wood floor, he was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, with this baby ready to throw up. And guess where the baby threw up? We had a stain on the carpet for a little while. <laughs> but that was reacting. That wasn't responding. And so really, hindsight would be, all he would have to do is step over a little bit, let her do what she had to do, <laughs> and clean it up. So that's kind of an extreme way to describe that. But, you know, there's different situations that we have the opportunity to respond or to react. And meekness allows us to respond. When I think of human nature, you know, human nature isn't necessarily full of the fruit of the Spirit, but God's nature is. We look at Galatians 5.23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, which is the same as being meek, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Again, walking in the Spirit, allowing the Spirit of God to lead us and direct us takes time. We don't just automatically know that we allow God to work in different areas in our life. It's something that's a process. You know, and I think of children, I know at um, Stevens Point Christian Academy, at our child care center, when they're little, 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 we start teaching them the fruit of the Spirit. And why is that? Because we don't want a bunch of wild acting adults, do we? <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit is really the nature of who Jesus is. So when we think of meekness, it's also not a personality trait. It's something that's learned. It's something that by trial and error, <laughs> we know that we want to be under control, under God's control. And so we allow him to just stir up the meekness that's already on the inside of us. When I looked up the synonyms for the word meek, it was humble, timid, submissive, gentle, Docile, compliant, mild, quiet, lowly, weak, and fearful. You know, those are all words, like some of those I think are good words, like I'd want to be described. <laughs> Other ones, not so much. <laughs> when we look at our society, society has really turned meekness into weakness. And again, it really isn't what it is. When we look at Jesus, Jesus described himself as being humble and gentle at heart. You know, when I think of how people would describe me, I don't want you to tell me right now. <laughs> this is how I want to be. <laughs> and you know, that's something that's, um, that again is true. Like, none of us have arrived. There's, God's always doing a work on the inside of us. But if I just thought I'd arrive and I have it all together, 
And that's kind of a mess, isn't it? <laughs> and really, none of us would be in this room today if we were at that place, if we just thought we have it all together and we don't ever need God to speak into our lives and change us and help us to become more like him. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. You know, when I was reading through this, I thought, you know, really what we're seeing here is that Jesus is describing himself to us. He says about himself that I am humble and gentle at heart. When I think of all of that, I think, I want to be humble. I want to be gentle of heart. I want to be like Jesus. You know, and then think about different situations in your life where maybe you weren't that way. You know, the good thing about God is that Every single day is a new day. Every second is a new second. I could have messed up a minute ago, and I can ask for forgiveness, and I can change and go a different way and be exactly who God wants me to be. He's always allowing us to change and be more like him. When we talk about Jesus and, and how he gives us rest, when you look at this because of the burden, it's because he's carried that burden. And so burdens that come to us, that we allow to come to us, we don't have to carry that stuff. That's stuff that we can give to Jesus, that he can make burdens light. And again, in, in verse 29, when he says, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, just letting him to do that work, him do that work on the inside of us. First Peter 3, Three and four. It says, don't try to make yourselves beautiful on the outside with stylish hair by wearing gold jewelry or fine clothes. Instead, make yourselves beautiful on the inside, in your hearts, with the enduring quality of a gentle, which is strength under control, and peaceful spirit. This type of beauty is precious in God's eyes. See, when you look at that, what's precious to God? Precious to God is making us beautiful on the inside in our hearts. And so it's having that gentleness, that strength under control, having a peaceful spirit. Years ago, there was um, a pastor, pastoral situation, and they were dealing with a situation, and and there was a girl who was at another church, and, and this girl was really um, somebody who kind of made herself know wherever, known wherever she went. And, and she was extremely beautiful. Like on the outside looking at her, she was so beautiful. And when that pastor described this girl to, to us, that's one of the things she said. He said, she's just beautiful, but she's so ugly on the inside. And you know, when you think about that kind of situation, we can have all this stuff on the outside, but the inside be really displeasing to God because of our actions, because of how we 
maybe lash out at people because we don't put others before ourselves. Being meek, again, isn't something we strive for, it's something we learn. You know, I like to be around people that are peaceful. A lot of times people um, come to this childcare center. You know, we, there's a lot of little children around here. <laughs> and one of the things that they'll say when they first come in and are first touring the childcare, they'll say, it's so peaceful here. And you can think, how can it be peaceful? You know, we've got like 80 kids running around. <laughs> well, not exactly running around, but <laughs> you know, there's a lot of activity going on. But what they're, what they're sensing is the peace of God. In your home, when people walk into your homes, what do they sense? Is it the peace of God? You know, are people wanting, do they want to come to your house because it's so filled with peace? Or do they stay away because they know it's not? You know, again, those are things that we have control over. We can allow the peace of God to be part of our, our homes. Um, one of the things, too, and I was, was searching out meekness, you know, the word meek, something that's really interesting about it, I know some people are really into horses and horse training and all those kinds of things, and I know Chris over there know, knew how to do all that, and, and I didn't. <laughs> I didn't grow up um, with horses around me. Actually, I was afraid of horses. Those were some big animals. <laughs> um, but anyway, one of the things about horses, it, what's interesting is the bit in a horse's mouth, you know, that, that um, steel thing or whatever that's made of <laughs> that goes in their mouth and then you have the reins and, and you control which way the horse goes. You know that horse has a whole lot more power than that little bit in its mouth, but it's taking the direction from the person that's leading and guiding. And so when we think about our life and we think about Jesus, you know, really... We don't see Jesus. I mean, I haven't ever seen Jesus. But I know that he has control of my life. And I know even though I don't see him physically, on the inside of me, I want to be led by him. Even though I can't see like that even a bit in my mouth. <laughs> but I want to be led by him. And so when we think about that, knowing that, God, we want you to lead us. We want you to guide us. Another thing that was interesting is when um, the scripture talks about the weak inherit the earth. And what's interesting about that is what, what is earth? Earth is dust, right? It's dirt. It's dust. And what did, we, what, what did we come from? We came from dust. And so when we think about that scripture and look it up in the Greek and all that, what that's really saying is that it's possessing and have dominion over our flesh. And so it's allowing the Spirit of God to have dominion over us. So when we think about our flesh being dust, for some of us, um, the dust has a whole lot more control in our lives <laughs> than the Spirit of God. And when you think about it, some people, didn't want to come to church today, but you're here. So you won over the flesh. Yay! You know, there's all kinds of different areas that we can let the flesh rule and dominate in our lives. Holding a grudge. The flesh wants to hold a grudge. But 
you know, you'd have a hard time showing me in Scripture where it's okay to have aught with your brother because it's just not there. But our flesh wants to hang on to it. Our dust wants to hang on to it. How much power and how much control does dust have? Not a whole lot, <laughs> except when it's our flesh, we allow it to. When we look at um, Psalms 37, it says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Isn't it abundance of peace? Doesn't that sound really good? Abundance, what is abundance? Abundance is a very large quantity. It's overfulling in fullness. That's abundance, to have that much peace. You know, I don't believe that there's a Christian that shouldn't have peace or that shouldn't be able to tap into peace. You know, what keeps us from that is this thing up here. <laughs> when we allow ourselves to focus on things that we don't have control over, worry. You know, you've heard those statistics about how 99 point whatever percent <laughs> of things that we worry about never happen, but we worry about it. We let that dust take control. And to know we don't have to do that when we're in Christ. Another thing when I looked at that, um, the scriptures in Psalms 37, 8, it says, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Well, we all know what anger is, right? How many of you like to be around angry people? Isn't there that game, angry birds? Are they angry birds? I don't know. <laughs> but but it's a game called Angry Birds. <laughs> um, but anyway, when I think about anger, I think the thing about uh, wrath, though, wrath is pretty nasty. You know, when you hear people say, you never want the wrath of whatever, whoever. Wrath is fierce anger. It's deeply resentful indignation. It's vengeance or punishment as a consequence of anger. Like, we never want to operate in wrath, do we? <laughs> we don't ever want somebody to say, got to be careful for the wrath of Pastor Deb. Oh, no. And if you, if you ever say that, be careful for the wrath of Pastor Deb. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Honestly, um, that's not ever something that should be part of our lives. And then the scripture says, about angry people, like, don't fret. Don't worry. Fret is another word for worry. And it actually, when I looked it up, says it causes corrosion. And you know when you have batteries that are all corroded? Like, they don't work. They don't connect. And that's what fret does in our lives. That's what worry does. 
And it also says, the evildoers shall be cut off. Like, we don't have to take care of that stuff ourselves. God's going to take care of it for us. But then it also says, and I love this part, but those who wait on the Lord, to wait can mean to do nothing. And like, when somebody's doing something wrong to us, like, do we want to just do nothing? No, we want to like defend ourselves and like, but they need to understand my side of the situation and but that's not what God says. God says that we should wait. And then um, I love when we talk about wait, the different scriptures, and you know these, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer. And when I read, um, or years ago, I, I was doing a study on the word wait, and, and one of the things that um, when, you know, the scriptures in Isaiah about waiting on the Lord and, and that our strength will be renewed, I had heard a teaching about that kind of waiting. It doesn't necessarily mean to just wait and do nothing. It means to be about the Lord's work. So you go to a restaurant, and what happens? You get waited on, right? You're served. There's waitresses, waiters. It's kind of that same kind of thing. When things are going on all around us, do we just like curl up in our little corner and don't talk to people and just boo-hoo all to ourselves? Or do we think, you know what, devil? You're not going to get the best of me. Do we think, you know what? I'm just going to give that devil a black eye and I'm going to go to church on Saturday and paint the bathrooms. <laughs> it's not why they did that, but <laughs> but it's a way of serving. It's serving. Do we think, you know what? I'm just going to let God use me. I'm going to let I'm going to reach out to the next door neighbor. I'm going to reach out to the person at the grocery store. I'm going to I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm not going to let the enemy get the best of my life. Children don't like to wait, do they? Uh-uh. Well, you know, what's kind of nice is I have a husband. He doesn't like to wait either. <laughs> it's nice when it comes to gift giving because I know I always, I'm going to get something early. So, <laughs> um, but one of the things about children, I know um, for us, Daniel was our oldest, you know, then Nathan. Daniel now is 23 years old and, or 22, however old he is. Anyway, <laughs> but something that was interesting is when he was little, he could not wait for gifts. Like he couldn't wait, you know, and, and he was the firstborn, so it was like overload in the gift department. And it was because of grandmas and grandpas and godmothers. It had nothing to do with parents. <laughs> but he could not wait to open those gifts. He would just be like, ah, like rip them open and then go to the next one and not even look at the one he got. And then Nathan was born. And Nathan had a first birthday. And guess what Daniel did? The same thing with Nathan's gifts. <laughs> We're like, no, this isn't yours. <laughs> but he couldn't wait. He was so excited. And, you know, that's how we are in our nature. Sometimes we just can't wait. 
But then think about things and think about times that we wanted to move ahead, times that we wanted something done, times that we wanted a different job or, or to move or something. <laughs> and we wanted it and we wanted it now. But if we wouldn't have waited for God's timing, what kind of a mess could it be? You know, there's a big growing process that happens when things don't happen automatically. I remember when um, Canaland, the childcare, was started here, and I had worked at a job and, and wasn't at that job anymore, and so I was volunteering time, and, and this childcare center was going to open, and it was by the end of the year, and then it was the first of the year, and all of a sudden, it's like February and March, and it's still not open, and I could not wait. And I can remember talking to a lady who was an older lady, <laughs> and just saying, you know, this was supposed to open back in November, and then December, and I was blah, 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 you know. And she said, quiet your soul. She said, just rest, have peace. There's a reason it hasn't opened yet. I'm like, yeah, but I want it to open. <laughs> As, now we know where Daniel gets that from, right? <laughs> But to know that I, I wanted it to happen before it was supposed to happen. There was a whole lot of things that needed to line up before that child care center opened. And she said, just wait. There's going to be a day that you're going to be asking God for more time because you have hardly any time to do different things because you're so busy with the work of the ministry. And she was right. But I couldn't wait. So it's good to listen to wise people. <laughs> Let's look at Isaiah 53, 7 in the message. Actually, that's wrong. We're looking at Habakkuk 2 and 1 through 4. It says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart which is a wall with city, and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I'm corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on the tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, and at the end it will speak and will not lie. Although it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry, which means delay. Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. You know, it takes faith to wait, doesn't it? It takes faith to not step out before we should. The part about this that really spoke to me is in one where it says, and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I'm corrected. I think that's a big part of us not being ready for the next season in our life. Did we listen to what he said to us now? And when we're corrected, you know, God has a way of doing that with us. <laughs> we can be going one way and he, can, he speaks to us, that still small voice in that loving way. He's like, no, not yet. But do we throw our little tantrum? I want my way. Give me my way. Or do we say, okay, God, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until it's okay with you. 
you know, when I think of being corrected, think about children again. You know, so much of being impatient, really we all can relate to children because it's kind of easy to see. <laughs> when they want something, they want it now. You know, when we want something, we want it now. But to know that God has an appointed time for different things. And we can wait and um, think we can take a shortcut, but we really can't. And a really good analogy is I, a pastor friend of ours was telling us a story. Um, he's from Washington, D.C., and I guess the lines there at the DMV are like super long when you have to go there, like you have to wait forever, seemingly. And then they call you, call you to go up, and then you can go in line, and you can go whichever line you want. And so he said, you know, he went to one line and was waiting. Well, that one was shorter. So then he went over to the other line, and, and that one, then the other one got shorter. So he went back over to the other one. And then he went back again the last time, and guess what happened? They put up the closed sign. Oh, my goodness. That was definitely somebody who I'm sure had, well, he did. He had good stories to tell after that about not being patient and just waiting. And God wants us to do that. He wants us to just be patient and wait. You know, one of the things that we have as a church body here is we strongly encourage people when they're engaged and getting married to do at least six months of premarital preparation. Now, six months seems like eternity when this couple is so happy and in love and we want to get married because we've got this all together and we've got this wonderful relationship. There's nothing I need to know. I mean, we can figure it out, can't we? So how many of you have been married longer than 10 minutes? <laughs> there's things to figure out, aren't there? <laughs> and there's so many things that getting married just like that because we want this quick wedding so many things we don't talk about and so many things that is wisdom to talk about <laughs> because you know things can still marriage still has challenges that come but at least we can go back to remember when we were going through premarital counseling and we talked about this remember when this subject came up or we'll have times that couples after they get married say you know what you probably should take a little more time and talk about this subject and we think, well, you probably should have listened when we were talking about it. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> because um, the truth is there's always something that we can learn, right? There's always something that we can grow from if, if our ears are open to hearing. And not just what we want to hear. <laughs> you know, really some of the, the things that have made me grow the most in my life are hearing things from people that it didn't feel good. But it really was a truth because they loved me and they cared about me and were honest with me. So have those people around you. Have those people in your life. A big part of that is submission because submission is hard. But you know, you've probably all heard this before too, that people really don't submit until they disagree with what you're asking them to do. And then they do it. And that's really what submission is. It's easy to, to do what people ask you to do when your boss asks you to do something and you want to do it. That's easy. But it's when they don't want you to that it ugh, just gets you just a little bit. 
but that's the whole root of submission, not being in submission. Think about a, a child again. You know, I think of, um, I think I'm going to use Noah here for an example. Noah is a logger, and so he cuts down trees and, and all that kind of um, whatever goes with that. <laughs> but, you know, there could be this four-year-old little boy that thinks what Noah does is really awesome and cool and really manly and all that kind of stuff. And so they want to do that, and they want that chainsaw because guess what? That makes some pretty awesome noise, doesn't it? I'm sure it does. <laughs> and, but who would give a four-year-old a chainsaw? Like, there's a lot of preparation that, some people might, <laughs> but there's a lot of preparation that needs to go into learning how to use a chainsaw because even people that know how to use a chainsaw get hurt, <laughs> right? And so it's knowing that, I, I know different times I've said to Noah, well, maybe so-and-so could work for you or so-and-so could work for you. And, and I'm sure in the back of his mind, he's thinking, I wouldn't give them a chainsaw if it worked. <laughs> but you know what, Noah's so meek and kind he never told me that. <laughs> but again, we're not going to give something to somebody who's not ready for it. And God's the same way with us. Isaiah 53, 7 in the message. Now this talks about Jesus and Jesus' meekness at the most intense time in his life. It says he was beaten, he was tortured. But he didn't say a word. Imagine us being Jesus at, at that hour like he was, and he didn't say a word. Like a lamb taken to be slaughtered, and like a sheep being sheared, he took it in silence. You know, for us to be able to really let God mold and shape our hearts and take it in silence, when people around us want to speak into our lives, just listen to what they have to say. Don't think about your response. Think about, you know, what truth can I receive from this? One of the things that is important, I believe, is teaching children to be respectful, teaching children not to talk back. And it might take them a while to even know what talking back is. What What is that? I'm just sharing my opinion. I'm just standing up for myself <laughs> but there's some times that children just don't know and that's our place as adults whether it's serving in children's ministry or as a teacher or, or aunt or grandma or whoever you are to be able to speak into children's lives and to help them because that's part of why we're a community that's part of why God put us in this place together is to help each other grow you know one of the things when I think about even teenagers, you know, and, you know, I was one once too. <laughs> but teenagers do yourself so well when you just listen to what adults have to say. One of the things that was always and still is important to us is that our teenagers always had adults that they were around, adults that were speaking into their lives. Because a lot of times they told our children the same thing we would have only it's coming from somebody that is a different peer group that might be closer to their age that we know they really are connected with and that's so awesome 
Like, don't think you're the only one who has to speak into your children's lives because there are all kinds of people that are, are able to do that and to share the things that you'd want to share. You know, I, I think of, um, you know, we, we, Ricky, we were talking, and he was talking about how in school a lot of times his teacher asks him to do things, and um, not always with other students, and that's something he noticed. And I said, probably because you're respectful and probably because you're kind. And we like working with people that are kind and respectful. And that's something, again, that is a quality that, that he has. It's a quality so many people, so many of the teenagers in this church have. You know, and it's our job, I believe, again, to help to train them, not because we want them to listen to us and do what we say, but because it's teaching them to be submitted and teaching them to have a meek heart. And we all need that teaching. <laughs> you know, there, I know that for me, there are areas that need to be tweaked in my life. And people speaking into my life is so important. You know, when we know that people speaking into our hearts, especially when they have a relationship with the Lord and are led by the Holy Spirit, it's kind of like the Holy Spirit talking to us. You know, we can glean things from one-liners that people share with us. When I think about refuge and I think about the people that attend refuge, we want to be known as a people that walk in meekness. We want to be known as a people that are gentle and kind. Kind is thinking beyond your own face. <laughs> you know, when you look in the mirror, is it all about you? <laughs> well, when you look in the mirror, it might be. <laughs> but when you go out there, it shouldn't be. It really should be that we think about others. We put others before ourselves. So when I, again, when I think about the strength and courage under control, coupled with kindness, that's meekness. And I really want to be a meek person. I want people to say, be able to say about me, that woman, she's got strength of courage, and she's kind. She doesn't just think about herself. And I'm sure you all want people to say that of you as well. But you know what? They can. When we grab hold of God's word and we let that to be the loudest voice in our lives, in Matthew 11, 28, and I'll close with this, going back to that scripture. Again, remember when Jesus described himself. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Thank you, Jesus. William Booth said, William Booth is the founder of the Salvation Army, and he said, the greatest of the man's power is the measure of his surrender. That's really good. The greatest of a man's power 
is the measure of his surrender. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearerefuge.net.